Well, good morning. If you do have a Bible with you, please turn to the book of John. John chapter 15. You know, there are many times in the Christian life, as a Christian, uh, there are many, many times when it feels like you've just lost your way to some degree. Uh, It usually seems to come on you fairly subtly, uh, kind of blindsides you. You're going along in the Christian life thinking you're doing fairly well, uh, following Jesus, and all of a sudden you just feel as if you somehow kind of lost your way, just perplexed inside, uh, dry in your soul, tired maybe, uh, feel like you can't see straight, can't tell up from down. It just happens at times in the Christian life. Uh, I've been sharing over the past couple of weeks, uh, many of you now know that I'm just now kind of coming out of a season like that. I don't feel like I'm all the way out of it yet, but uh, the Lord is graciously bringing me out of it. I recently took a six-week break from preaching. One of the reasons I took that break was I just desperately needed the break. Uh, I was I was very tired. I was dry in my soul. I just felt depleted of living water in my own soul. I felt depleted of living water to, to give you. Uh, kind of felt like I just lost my way all of a sudden. Uh, couldn't see straight, couldn't tell up from down, didn't know why. Not the first time in my life that I've been through something like that. I think I've been through it many times. I think most Christians have been through something like that before. And man, I've learned over the years that when I feel like that, the answer is to look up and begin to cry out for help. I had a great grandfather who preached into his mid-90s. And he used to say, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and yell for help. And that's really good advice. And I've learned over the years to do that a little bit, cry out for help when you find yourself in one of those spots. And man, Jesus, so kind when we really truly begin to look up and cry out for help. Uh, He hears and he responds. I was meditating on Psalm 145 this week. The Lord is near to all who call upon him in truth. And whenever I hit a dry season in my life and desperately began to cry for help, uh, one thing Jesus always seems to do for me is take me back to the basics. Uh, Man, it's so easy in the Christian life to lose sight of the basics, to get distracted by many, many different things, and you've lost sight, the most important things in the Christian life, and you feel like you've lost sight of them, the things you can't do without, and when you lose sight of the basics in the Christian life, you you will begin to sink to some degree, and when you finally cry out for help, the Lord Jesus just basically, uh, very, very graciously comes to you and begins to remind you, I think, of those basics many, many times. Uh, Molly recently told me a, a story about one of her friends who was learning to scuba dive, and it was, I've never scuba dived, so I don't know how you learn to scuba dive, but I know it was the one point in the training where they were going much deeper, uh, much, much darker, and, and it just happened, this, this friend of Molly's just began to panic. Couldn't see straight at one point, didn't know which way was up from down, really began to panic uh, and was thinking, if I can find my way up, I'm just rushing up, which is not good for a scuba diver, Uh, a real panic. And all of a sudden, the instructor just came right in front of her, recognized what she was going through, grabbed her by the shoulders and just motioned to her to breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. And, and she was able to, and the panic subsided. And I think Jesus graciously does that for us in our lives. When we've lost our way, we cry out for help. He has a way of just grabbing us by the shoulder, looking at us and saying, breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. And he very graciously takes us back to I think the simple basics of the Christian life, the simplicity 
of a walk with him. And man, he's graciously done that in my life over the past several weeks. Um, graciously pulled, pushed away some of the distractions, took me back to the basics. I've preached over the past couple of weeks uh, on some of the things the Lord has done in my heart recently. Two Sundays ago, just spoke on John 7 and the living water that's found in Jesus. Psalm 127 last Sunday, anxious toil that we fall into, which I've fallen into recently. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't heard them. Uh, Like I said last Sunday, not because I think they're great sermons, they're not, but I do think there's some living water in those sermons, uh, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them. And here this morning, I just want to uh, share with you one final thing the Lord has spoken to my heart recently from this passage here in John 15. This passage in John 15 contains one of the basics of the Christian life. And man, we so often lose sight of the things here in this passage. We get so busy doing all kinds of things in the Christian life. And suddenly you've lost sight of the simple truth of John 15. And man, you lose sight of this thing in John 15 and you lose your way. And I think a lot of Christians, you know, I really, I think a lot of Christians never really even learned to do this thing in John 15 very well from the get-go. We just so desperately need to remember this thing in John 15 and and continue to do it, get better at doing it. And, And what does Jesus tell us to do here in John 15? Very, very simple. Abide in me. Abide in me, disciples, Jesus says passage here, it comes at a critical point in salvation history. These passages, these chapters here are, are right around the Last Supper. So, so Jesus is just meeting with his disciples, having that Last Supper the night before he dies. This, the teachings here in these chapters, this is called the Farewell Discourse. And this section right here in John 15, I think this is a critical section of this Farewell Discourse. I think Jesus really wanted his disciples disciples to remember this right here when he died. I think when Jesus wanted the truths in John 15 to be ringing in his disciples' ears for many, many years to come. This is a critical portion in the Word of God. We're not going to cover everything in this passage. I'm just aiming for simplicity here, uh, just an overflow from my own heart, trusting there will be living water in this thing. Let's pray and ask Jesus to do it. Father, we just surrender now to you, to your kindness, to your goodness. We surrender to you. Father, we just acknowledge we are broken, weak people. All of us very broken, very weak. We don't see it. A lot of times we're so prone to operate in our own strength, rely upon our own strength, our own self-sufficiency, and you're so good to remind us of our, our frailty. Our, our absolute weakness, our, our inability to do anything apart from you. You're so good, and I just look to you now, Father, and ask for your help. As we look here at John 15, I ask for you leading in the name of Jesus as we walk through this. We just ask for the ministry of your Holy Spirit here in this room, that you would search hearts. Father, we know your word says that your eyes search to and fro throughout the whole earth. You search the hearts of all human beings, and we just ask that you would do it now. And Father, you bring life. Jesus, you said your words are spirit and they are life. And I pray these words would be spirit and life to us today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. John 15, verse 1. Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, 
And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. Just walking through it quickly here for a few seconds. Jesus says to his disciples there in verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Jesus Christ is a vine. Just picture him like that for the sake of this morning's sermon. Jesus Christ, the vine, the one true vine, Jesus says. Uh, Back in the Old Testament books in the Bible, the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament, was called a vine, a vine that God had planted. And God wanted Israel, his vine, to be a fruitful vine, to bear fruit that would glorify him. But Israel did not bear good fruit, by and large, that glorified God. But you know what? God's plan, even back then in the Old Testament, God's plan uh, was always that he would send a much better vine to this earth. God's plan was always that he would plant a perfect vine in this earth, uh, the vine that would ultimately produce God-glorifying fruit all over this planet. And Jesus stands before his disciples here and says, I am the true vine. And Jesus says to his disciples a little bit later here that they are the branches. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus, the one true vine, you think about him, he has lots of little branches connected to him, thousands of little branches connected to Jesus, the vine, all over the world right now. And what are these little branches connected to him? Well, those branches are professing Christians, the people in this world who say they trust in Jesus as Savior and follow Jesus as their master. Jesus is the vine. Professing believers are the, are, are the branches connected to the vine and the one who tends to the vine and, and the one who ensures that the branches on the vine produce lots of good fruit is God the Father. Verse 1 again, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. God the Father is the gardener. The one who oversees Jesus and all of his branches. God the Father looking over, tending the vine and the branches and ensuring that the branches bear lots of good God-glorifying fruit. God oversees professing Christians in this world and makes sure that they are bearing good fruit. And God the Father, the divine vine dresser over this vine, he does two primary things to ensure that the branches bear lots of fruit. You look at verse 1 again. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, Jesus says, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, prunes that it may bear more fruit. So God does two different things as the vine dresser to ensure that all of these little branches all over the world, professing Christians around the world, bear fruit. He does two main things. One, those little branches that do not bear fruit, God removes them from the vine. And two, those little branches that do bear fruit, God prunes them so that they'll bear more fruit. One, God removes the branches from the vine that don't bear any fruit. And it's a very simple principle. If you, you, you have an apple tree in your backyard or something like that, and man, you want that apple tree to produce lots and lots of good apples. So one thing you do as the owner of that apple tree is you look periodically around that apple tree and you look for those branches that never seem to bear any fruit. The ones that just appear to be a little bit dead and lifeless in that tree. And at some point over time, what you'll do is you just come by and remove those branches because what those branches do is they make the whole tree less healthy they steal nutrients from the other branches that are bearing fruit and so you get those out so all the nutrients can go to the good branches on the tree and your tree ends up bearing more fruit so you remove those bad branches to protect your plant to protect your tree that's what God does 
God overseeing this vine of called Jesus and all these branches connected to Jesus somehow. God overseeing it. And those branches that don't bear fruit, God takes away. And who are those branches that are somehow connected to Jesus the vine and yet bear no fruit and are ultimately removed by God the Father? I think they're nominal Christians. They're Christians in name only. They are somehow externally connected to Jesus the vine. But internally, inside, in their hearts, they have no real connection to Jesus. Deep in their hearts, they don't really have a living, genuine faith in Christ. They, they probably made a profession of faith in Christ at some point in their life, may have been baptized. They may go through a lot of the Christian motions. They may even go to church services on a regular basis, but they're not really internally in the heart, united by faith to Jesus. Not really connected to the sap of the vine. An external connection of some sort. No internal connection to the sap of the vine. The life-giving Holy Spirit doesn't yet live in their hearts. And because they're not truly connected to the sap in the vine through faith, they cannot possibly bear God-glorifying fruit even though they go through lots and lots and lots of religious actions. And God looks at those branches that don't bear any fruit and despite all the religious actions, at some point He removes them. Now He's very, very gracious. He's very, very patient with fruitless Vines, fruitless branches in the vine, very, very patient, but at some point, God the Father will remove them. You hear all the time about people who leave the Christian faith. I had a good friend who just sent me an email. He was a professing Christian for years. Sent me an email one day, and it was titled, My Deconversion. And he walked away from the Christian faith. But do you realize every time a nominal Christian like that, somebody who's a Christian in name only, departs from the Christian faith, God has in some way removed that person from the Christian faith because that person is harming the vine and the other branches. Stealing nutrients, getting in the way, being divisive, not energized in any way to serve Christ. And God the Father graciously removes that person from the vine. And Jesus says in verse 6 that those lifeless branches that are eventually removed from the vine, they are gathered, they're thrown into the fire, and they are burned. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, many will, who call me Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And there they are, the fruitless branches. And you know, when Jesus talked there about lifeless branches, I do want to encourage you, he's talking about branches that bear no fruit at all. So he's not talking about the weak believer who bears very, very little fruit. Okay, He's talking about branches that bear no fruit at all, no God-glorifying fruit, no genuine fruit at all. And I think Jesus probably had one particular lifeless branch in mind when he taught his disciples this lesson here. I think Jesus was probably thinking about Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 original disciples, had recently been removed from the band of disciples. You hold your finger there in John 15. You look back at John 13, earlier in the farewell discourse. John chapter 13, we'll see the removal of Judas from the band of disciples here. Middle of verse 10. Jesus looking at his band of 12 disciples at this time. Judas Iscariot still there around the Last Supper. Jesus says this to his disciples. You disciples are clean But not every one of you, for Jesus knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Then look down at verse 26. So when Jesus had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered Judas. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Judas, leave the room. So after receiving the morsel of bread, verse 30, Judas immediately went out and it was night. Now turn to John 15, verse 1. 
Jesus, again, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. The band of disciples is now clean. All clean. Back in John 13, they weren't all clean because Judas, the unclean, fruitless branch, a nominal Christian who did lots of Christian-like things. Most people thought he was Christian, but he did not have a genuine faith in Jesus. He's now been removed, and now all of the disciples, the band of disciples, are now clean, Jesus says. Judas was that nominal Christian, the fruitless branch, I think, that Jesus probably has in his mind, and the divine vine dresser has now removed the fruitless branch from the vine. So this one thing the vine dresser does to ensure maximum fruit production from the vine, he removes the branches that don't bear fruit. And the second thing Jesus says that the vine dresser does, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. And I'll talk about that pruning in in just a couple of minutes. But I want you to pause for a second. And I just want you to notice, please, that God is very, very interested in fruit. When God the vine dresser looks over all of these branches around the world, supposedly connected to Jesus the vine, God is looking for one primary thing. He is looking for fruit. He's not looking to hear you say you do believe in Jesus. He's looking at the fruit of your life. And he knows whether or not you truly believe in Jesus. God really wants the branches connected to this vine to bear good fruit. And this may come as a shock to some of you, but, but God does not save you just to keep you from hell. No, God saves you and keeps you from hell in order that you might bear fruit. Fruit that would glorify God. See, it's not a man-centered Christianity. It's all about you and just your escape from hell. It's a God-centered Christianity. God saves you and saves you from hell in order that you might bear God-glorifying fruit in your life. But man, here's the thing about bearing fruit. As a Christian, there's no possible way you can bear fruit on your own. You cannot do it. You cannot produce fruit in your life simply by trying harder. Just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and squeeze out some fruit, man. That's not how it's done. Gotta bear fruit, gotta bear fruit, gotta bear fruit. Doesn't work like that. Eleven remaining disciples sitting around Jesus at this time. Man, Jesus wants them to bear lots of good fruit in the days ahead. So what does Jesus say here in this passage? He doesn't look at his disciples and say, go bear fruit or else. No, he looks at his disciples and he says, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. Bearing fruit is a natural byproduct of abiding. You don't have to focus on the fruit, you focus on abiding. And those who abide in Jesus will bear much fruit, Jesus says. But those who don't abide in Jesus, they won't bear much fruit. For Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from abiding in Jesus, you get nothing. You get no fruit at all. One of the basics of the Christian faith is found right here, John 15. Man, how do you live the Christian life? What does Jesus want his disciples to hear as he's heading off to the cross? What does he want them to hear? Here it is, Christianity 101, abide in me. Abide in me, disciples. And I think Jesus would probably say to everyone who has a genuine faith in him this morning, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. You've been bathed in my blood. You've been washed. You are a clean person. 
simply through your faith in me. You have now been grafted into the vine, a branch that has been grafted into the one true vine. You are now connected to the life-giving sap of the vine. That's you. And Jesus would now look at you and say, now abide in me. Now abide in me. And I in you, Jesus says. And I think probably what Jesus is saying there, you abide in me, and I will then abide in you. You abide in me so that I can then abide in you and live through you. And listen, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, let me say this to you, the more you abide in Jesus, the more fruit you will bear. The more you abide in Jesus, the more fruit you will bear. Fruit is important for everyone who says they trust in Christ, but you don't bear fruit simply by trying to bear fruit. No, you bear fruit simply by abiding in Christ. (laughs) Please notice, however, that abiding is something you must do as a Christian. Jesus gives his disciples a command here. Abide in me, disciples. And I in you. I think a lot of Christians believe that, man, the second you truly trust in Jesus by faith, well, you're abiding in Christ fully at that second right there. You're now abiding in Christ for the rest of your life. There's nothing more you really need to do. Sit back and enjoy the ride. And that's true to some degree. The second you truly trust in Christ, you, you are now abiding in Christ you, you are vitally connected to the sap of the vine by a living faith and you will now rather automatically begin to pr- produce fruit in your life because the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. You have the sap and when you have that sap in you, it automatically produces fruit in you. You're abiding in Jesus to some degree, yes, the second you trust in Christ. But listen, as a Christian, you can always abide in Jesus Christ more and more and more and more. You can always be vitally connected to Christ more and more. More of Jesus living in you and living through you. More of the sap of the vine in you, producing more and more fruit of the Spirit in you. You can always abide in Christ more and more as believers. Deeper and deeper as believers. And Jesus says to all his little branches here, abide in me. Abide in me. Go deeper into me. Push further into me. In order that you might have more of my life-giving Holy Spirit sap in you. And producing more and more glorious fruit in you. The more you abide in me, disciples, the more fruit you will produce in your life. Abiding in, in Jesus is huge. It's just, it's just huge. It's so important. I don't think we can overestimate how important it is. As a Christian, I must abide in Jesus. I must abide in Him more and more as I go. I must learn to abide in Christ deeply every minute of the day. And when you have seen to to lose your way in the Christian life, you can't find up from down. It is probably because you've forgotten to do that thing right there to some degree. You've forgotten to abide in Jesus and that was me. Doing the work of the ministry, doing all kinds of Christian activities, but somewhere in there, I began to abide in Jesus less and less. And when you do that, you will experience a dryness in your soul. You won't have as much sap or living water inside of you. You will not be producing as many fruits of the Spirit. And when everybody begins to eat off the fruits that you're producing, those fruits do not taste life-giving to them. They taste more life-draining to them. Because see, when you've forgotten to abide in Jesus, And people begin to eat then from the fruit of your mouth and from the fruit of your actions. What they are eating in you and eating on you is not actually Jesus for the most part. 
They're eating the fruit of you. And you are not life-giving to anybody. Jesus is. And the only way you or I or anybody else will ever produce fruit that would be life-giving to our kids, our spouse, to our neighbors, or anything like that, the only way we will ever produce God-glorifying, glorious fruit, the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, the only way is by abiding in Jesus Christ closely. But here's the $60 million question. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, it's so easy to read right over these statements from Jesus. Abide in me, disciples, and I in you. You read right over it. Cool, man. I got that. And you really stop and think about it. How do you do that? That word abide is a strange word. Abide, disciples. Okay, great. What does that mean exactly? Don't leave us hanging, Jesus. Come on, can you flesh that out a little bit more? And I think Jesus did flesh it out for us. He helped us to understand what it means to abide in him by giving us a very simple illustration here. What does, it, what does it look like for you, disciple, to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ? Think of a branch abiding in a vine. Think of a branch abiding in a vine. Man, you could meditate on that to the end of the world probably and never get to everything Jesus was talking about there by using that illustration. But that branch abiding in a vine, that little branch, that is the perfect picture of abiding in Jesus. And man, as I think about that picture and start to meditate on it, okay, what does it actually mean to abide in Jesus? A couple of different things start coming to my mind. Here they are. One, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? I think it means that you feed on Jesus. You feed on the risen Christ. And number two, man, I think it means that you, you follow Jesus. You stick closely to Jesus. One, you feed on Jesus. If you want to abide in Jesus, Christian, you got to feed on Jesus. And that's what a little branch is doing, stuck to the vine. You know, you look at that little branch, walk up to a tree in your yard when you get back home, a little bush, look at a couple of the branches, you look at them, they don't look like they're doing anything. <laughs> get busy, you little branch, man. Get up and produce some fruit. Get you a fruit-making machine and start grinding away to produce some fruit. That's what we do a lot of times. You look at that little branch, it doesn't look like it's doing anything. It is. It is sucking on the sap of the vine. That's all it's doing. It's just feeding on the vine. Feeding on it, sucking on it, drinking deeply from the life of the vine. And when Jesus tells his people to abide in him, I think one thing Jesus is probably saying to us is, feed on me. Feed on me. Feed on me. It might sound strange to you. Feed on Jesus? <laughs> Eat Jesus? But you know what? That's what Christianity is. It's feeding on Jesus. That's what it is. You feed on him by faith. I mean, Jesus said it, John 6, I'm the bread of life. The living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. You don't know Christianity if you don't know how to feed on Jesus. If you don't know how to feed on him in faith. That's how you enter the kingdom of God is by feeding on Jesus in faith. And everything he has is absorbed into you by faith. But then you just keep feeding on him the rest of your life. Feeding on Jesus, the vine, eating the bread of life daily. Man, abiding in Jesus involves feeding on Jesus, and the more you feed on Jesus in your Christian life, the more you have of the life of Jesus in you. The more you feed on Jesus by faith, the more you have of the life of Jesus in you. You think of that little branch. The more that little branch feeds on the vine, the more sap that little branch has inside of it. 
just picture a little branch just full of sap. You get a little branch that's just full of sap, and you know what it's going to do? <laughs> fruit's just going to start popping up all over it. Not because it's trying to bear fruit, but because it's sucking on the sap of the vine. Feeding on it, and then it just begins to bear Fruit, man, that's how it goes with abiding in Jesus. I think abiding in Jesus means, for one thing, that you feed on Jesus. And the more you feed on Jesus, the more of the sap of Jesus that you have inside of you, you become filled up with the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit. And that life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit in you begins to produce all of these fruits of the Spirit on you. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They just start popping up on you as you're feeding on Jesus. You don't try to be loving. You are loving by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't try to be kind. You are kind by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happens as you begin to feed more on Jesus and you have more fruit of the Spirit on you? you do you know what happens? You become more like Jesus. You, you become more like Jesus. <laughs> Did you ever hear the saying, you, be, you are what you eat? You are what you eat. 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 If you're feeding on Jesus deeply on a daily basis, you have more of the sap of Jesus in you, more of the fruits the Spirit in you, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You look like Jesus when people see you in the home. More like Jesus. You taste more like Jesus in your words, your actions. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. You know what? When people then begin to taste those fruits in your life, they taste life-giving to them. taste life-giving to them? Your children, they taste from your fruit in your words, parents. And if you've been abiding in Jesus, they taste more life-giving to them. Not as much you and more Jesus in you. Your spouse, your spouse, eating off the words of your mouth, eating off your actions, it, it's more life-giving to your spouse. You know, the people in your life group, the other believers in your life group, if you're abiding in Jesus, then your words and your actions are more life-giving to the people who are feeding off of you. If you're abiding in Jesus, then your neighbors find your words and your actions to be more life-giving, more powerful. They're tasting Jesus in your life. You can be on mission every day of your life. And if you're not abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be no power in you. There'll be nothing, 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 nothing. The power that drives the train is the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have all of the right structures set up in our church, and we believe we have really good structures right now to go and make disciples of both believers and unbelievers through gospel-centered community on mission. We feel that's really good. The Lord has helped us there. He's given us really good tracks to run on. But if we think we're going to make disciples simply by being in gospel-centered community on mission, it's not going to happen if there's no abiding in Jesus. You can't just set up a structure and see it happen. It's abiding in Jesus that is the power produces fruit in believers and then everything they do is more powerful and more and more and more life-giving. Gotta be feeding on Jesus. Believers of Christ Redeemer Church, we have to be abiding in Jesus, which I think means feeding on Jesus. How do you feed on Jesus? I think there's a number of things that you can do to help you feed on Jesus. I think a daily time of personal prayer and meditation can help you feed on Jesus. You, you carve out a time every day to meditate on the word and, and, and to, to pray. Jesus went away often by himself to spend time in personal prayer and meditation. And if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to do it, how much more do we need to go away by ourselves at times in prayer and meditation?
personally think it's very hard to feed deeply on Jesus. If you're not spending time daily, personal word and prayer, some of you have just pretty much cut it out of your lives. I hope you can hear me say it. You know, there are probably many here that you've gotten so busy that that thing has pretty much gone away. You may go through some motions for a few minutes every day. You just run off to your work day. And you can work your job like that, but you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to bear much fruit, maybe, if you continue that pattern a long time. Personal word and prayer, man, is, is a way that you feed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can also feed on, it helps to come to services like this. You know, we want to put Jesus front and center so people can see Jesus and hear about Jesus and come to know Jesus and feed on Jesus. Coming to service is good. Being in fellowship with other believers of a local church outside of the church service, that, that's a that's good way to feed on Jesus. You know, a lot of Christians think, well, I want to be with Jesus, so I've got to go up on a hill by myself or come to a church service, and that's it. A lot of you think that the only thing a church does for you is provide a sermon. And you just think, I'm finding Jesus in the sermon. That's it, period. Well, he's not just found in the sermon. You know that Jesus indwells the body of Christ right now. And as you fellowship with the body of Christ, you are coming closer to Jesus, and you can then feed on Jesus. You know, all those things can help you. Personal time in the Word and prayer, coming to services, fellowship out there. But do you know what? Just because you are doing all of those things doesn't necessarily mean that you're feeding on Jesus. Because see, feeding on Jesus, if you think of that branch in the vine, it's a very internal secret thing. It happens deep in the heart by faith. So you can be reading your Bible right now every day, but you're not feeding on the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus said to the Pharisees in the book of John, you search the scriptures because you think that you have life in them, but you're not willing to come to me that you might have life. Some of you are reading the Bible right now just to learn more about the Bible. You know every single doctrine. You might know original languages, but you're not coming to the Jesus of the Bible right now. And over and over again, Jesus says, you come to me. You come to me. You can be praying in the morning right now, but you're just going through the motions. You're just ripping through some words. You're praying for things out there, always out there, always out there, praying for these different things. Not bad to do that, but you can go long seasons in prayer and never feed on Jesus. And prayer is intended to bring you into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Prayer is intended to be a feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ. You lift up your empty soul to him and he fills you with life. You can come to church services right here and go through the motions and just sit here mindless through the whole thing, not feeding on Jesus. You can be in fellowship right now in your life groups and you're together all the time in your life groups, but your life groups, you're not feeding on Jesus. It's not just good for Christians to get together and shoot the breeze. That's fine. But we get together and we want to go to Jesus and feed on Jesus because that's where the life is. And it's a feeding on Jesus Christ. I think just quickly one other way you can abide in Jesus, not just by feeding on Jesus, but by following Jesus closely. You think about it, as a Christian, Jesus wants to live in and through you every day. And Jesus wants to lead you down a certain path every single day. And you know what the path is called? Love. Love for God. Love for other people. It's the way Jesus always pulls that's the way he always goes. That's the way he's always going to tug you. When you're in a, relation, a conversation with your spouse or a conflict with your kids or somebody, somebody uh, uh, speaks a word of slander against you or you're in affliction or something like that out there, the Jesus in you is always pulling down the path of love. And you have a thousand time, opportunities every day to make a choice. Do I follow closely with Jesus down that path of love? Or do I bow out and go my own way? And you raise up and fight against your spouse. You yell at your kids. 
and you grumble and complain when you're in a trial and affliction. Jesus is going this way. You made a choice to go this way. And every time you choose to walk away from Jesus a little bit, you are no longer abiding as closely with the Lord Jesus Christ and you will feel it in your soul. You will feel it. And so will your spouse and your kids and your neighbors. You will feel it. And how many times a day do we bow out of that path of love for ourselves? Because we love ourselves. You bow out away from Jesus. You begin to lose some sap of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't bear the fruits of Jesus as much in your life. You feel it. Everybody else feels it. Abiding in Jesus, man, like a branch with a vine. It's feeding on the vine, but it's also following closely to the vine. And the good news is, is the times when you do bow out and go your own way and you walk away from Jesus and you lose the Holy Spirit and you lose joy in all those things, you know the good news is? You can come back. Jesus died for our sins. You say, yes, Jesus, I see it. I see where I went astray. I see it. I agree with you. Yep, I see it. Forgive me. And you picture him on the cross again in his brokenness. And you receive his cleansing for what you just did. And if you harmed another person in what you did, then the path back to that peace with Jesus is asking that other person to forgive you. You make restitution. Will you please forgive me for what I did? And in that brokenness and in that humility, Jesus is bringing us back into that close abiding relationship, feeding on him, following closely with him, full of more sap of the Holy Spirit, more fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that is power in people's lives. And why do I say that? Because I'm not the only one who's struggled with abiding lately. I know it. I know it. We've been doing a lot of activity. Many of those things are very, very good. But if you lose sight of abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have lost some sap in your own soul. And you are, your, your fruit is beginning to shrivel and people taste it. And then all the efforts you put forth to make disciples of believers and unbelievers, it just tastes stale to people because they don't taste Jesus on you. They taste you on you. And I think we have a lot of that right now. Here's the good thing. Those who bear fruit, what does the vine dresser do? He prunes them that they might bear more fruit. And you know one of the ways that the loving Heavenly Father prunes His people who are bearing fruit? He shows you ways that you're not abiding in Jesus the vine. He shows you sin. Shows you where you're not feeding and where you're not following Jesus. He shows it to you. And then you have a choice. You either say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Father, that's right. And you ask him to forgive you. And you go to the cross and you cleanse for it. Or you rise up and start making excuses. I pray the Lord would lead us in a path of humility. We would feel the vine dresser right now. Correcting and bringing us back to Jesus. Come to me. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And man, all of life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us here for just a second. Worship team, you can come up. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you. Father, we thank you. You're so kind, you're so good. Your discipline for us is always so gracious. <laughs> Your hand upon us and the way you can pull our hearts back and reveal um, places where, uh, where we are harming ourselves and others is just so great. Just thank you, Father. Thank you for shining the spotlight of the Holy Spirit in my own heart, convicting me, Lord, of areas where over the past six to eight months or so I just had lost to some degree a simple abiding in Jesus deeply, deeply, deeply. Working way too many hours of sin. I ask you to forgive me. Striving in the flesh too much. Sin. I ask you to forgive me. 
not following closely enough to Jesus, not feeding enough on Jesus. I see it. (laughs) Yes, Lord. And it's so good. I thank you. Thank you for it. I just pray for my brothers and sisters here. Pray for everyone here has a genuine faith in Jesus. Father, I know there are many here who have lost their abide in Christ to some degree. Gotten busy. Just activity after activity after activity. Many of those activities you, Jesus, didn't ask them to do. Just doing them because everybody else is doing them. Lord, so much busyness. So much just working with no abiding, no feeding, no following closely to Jesus. Father, just putting up in our lives with grumbling and complaining and um, division, anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment, self-seeking, self-love, just, just, just tolerating those things which just kill to some degree our abide in you, Jesus. Not watching closely enough over those things. Father, there's so many ways, I think, that we have to some degree lost our abide in Jesus. And in that, we've lost to some degree the, the sap, the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit. We've lost to some degree the fruits of the Spirit that just pop up so naturally on those who abide. And Father, we've then tried to accomplish things through our own flesh. And yet you, Jesus, said to us, apart from me, you can do nothing. I pray that would land on us again. Apart from you, Jesus, apart from an abiding walk with you, Jesus, we can do nothing of any spiritual good. Nothing of any eternal good in anyone's life. Apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. Pray you'd show us right now areas where we've not been abiding. We've lost it. We have more fruits of the flesh than fruits of the Spirit. I pray you'd show us where that is. And Father, I ask that you would lead us quickly to the cross again right now. Thank you, Father, for a Jesus who was broken for all of our sins even for those sins of not abiding in Christ. Jesus, thank you that you were broken. Thank you that you died for all of our sins so that we might be forgiven. Please give us again a fresh sense of your forgiveness. Cleanse us now, we pray, the lack of abiding in Jesus. And Lord, help us now. Help us now. Lord, I pray you would look into the spirit of every person here and say, breathe. 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 Abide. Abide in me. Keep the main thing the main thing. Abide in me. And Father, let all those, those fruits of the flesh begin to fall away now. And for fall away, Lord, we pray. The anxiousness, the toil, the doubt, the unbelief, the fear, everything just falling away. Help us, Lord, come back and abide again in you, Jesus. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You have come that we might have life and life abundantly. Help us to abide in you more, Jesus, so that we might experience that life more and more and others might experience it in us. We thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.